0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Bob Lawton, and I'm Jim Hyde. And we also want to thank the members of KZyx, including folks who became new members or renewed their memberships in our recent spring fundraiser. Um, there, although the fundraiser is done, the station's need for uh, your financial support is not. So, um, if you like this radio station, like what uh, your neighbors and your friends do in bringing you amazing. Uh, programming um, on a local level as well as all the national international programs um, consider becoming a member or renewing your membership at Kzyx.org. look for the donate button and help support your community radio station Uh, hi jim how's it going it's going it's going it's going it's going The standard answer is, it's going.
1: The standard answer is, it's
0: going. The sun is out, which is the first time that has been so here on the coast for, um, I think, about 14 years. So that's nice to see.
1: Wow, (laughs) sun in 14 years. That's like a new record. Hey, by the way, thanks for all the nice cool weather you're sending over this way because it got down to 52 degrees last night at my house.
0: Wow, that's a genuinely
1: coastal temperature. It has to be coastal weather extending inland nights and mornings, as they say.
0: yeah it's the, exactly so it's, it's that great. marine layer
1: yeah yeah the marine layer has been in for visiting well um you were away a couple of weeks ago when i did the last show and i just wanted to do a quick, quick follow-up on my um, little story that i told um, my son sent me a picture of a honeycomb because i told him i was getting a new beehive this year and he saw this picture somewhere on social media or instagram or somewhere it just came up in his um you know feed or something like that he thought oh i'll send this picture to my dad and he sent it to me and the caption or the the comment that he added to it was um picture of a hive that they forgot to add the frames but the bees figured it out that was my son's comment on it and i i looked at this picture and i sent you sent it to you you can see it it's a very um it looks like a work of art. It's a work of art. Not
0: anything that a bee does is a work of art. But Absolutely, still, a but this was definitely
1: artful. This was hard shaped, and this guy, Steve Byrne, he's on Twitter at um, I can't remember what his Twitter handle is. Anyway, he's a folklorist, and and he said that he saw this picture a couple times on social media, going back a few years, and then going back many years. And one of the um, one of the um, twitter accounts that shared a photo was the uh, the british national trust which i guess has farms and things like that one of their branches shared um the picture and basically their captions said our honeybees have been hard at work but one of the beekeepers forgot to put in the frames <laughs> so this guy is a folklorist and he said it started um started uh um increasing his sort of folklorist spidey sense is what he described at it you know his intuition he, he something resonated with him about this thing about the beekeeper forgetting to put in the frames and then he saw another post where uh, a, a woman posted it and said my parents sent me this picture uh, from a fellow french beekeeper he forgot to put in the frames and so this started going around finally uh-huh. the guy did some even even more research and went back and found that There was a beekeeper in Zaire in Africa (laughs) who back in 2009 or 2010 or something wanted to do something for his wife. So he took a a board, like a piece of plywood and took a router and made a couple of heart shaped grooves (sighs) and put in, he took, melted some beeswax and then took a strip of the beeswax. They call it foundation. It's, it's the honeycomb shaped, uh, strips of of wax you put in the the full-size bee frames but he just put in a little tiny you know like an inch or so in the heart shape and a couple of other little curly cues and he set it on top of the beehive where the bees would come up and they naturally start building on whatever available shape is there if there's a beeswax and a heart shape they'll start building the combs on that mm. so that's that's how the thing started and the guy who originally, you know, did it just posted a couple of pictures. It had, you know, like 20 likes or something like that. And then it, yeah. somebody started, you know, promoting this and, and this whole meme about they forgot the frames um, got attached to it. And then this folklorist picked it up and he decided to do a little, you know, folklorist research. The whole reason I mentioned it on the show is because when I got really curious about it and wondering about this thing about forgetting the frames and all that, I, I saved the photo from my, um, from my chat account into my photos. And then I used the share sheet, you know, the, the thing that you tap on when you want to send right. it to somebody or whatever. And I kept scrolling down to see what my options were. And then, I'd never seen this before, but down at the bottom of the share sheet, that that um, menu that pops up, it said search with Google lens. I had never mm-hmm. used Google lens before, but I was in photos and it put the um, uh, 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 search with Google lens in there. So I tapped on that and it popped up the Google lens in the Google app, It you know, left photos and went into the Google app and right at the top of the picture I sent to Google was the same picture from the guy's Twitter account who had done the research. So, boom! It just immediately took me to the full story. And he posted a um, a thread on Twitter that had about thirty, you know, thirty part threads, uh, thirty part thread of this whole story. And that's how I learned about it. And so I was just blithely telling everybody over the air, you know, if you have anything you want to find out about and can take a picture of it or have a picture of it, you know, you see a car and you don't know what what brand or model a car that is, you know, take a picture and just search with Google Lens. And um, luckily before the end of the show, Johanna called in and said, I don't have that on my photos.
0: Uh And I went, oh, okay,
1: well, I must have missed something there. So what I missed is... You need to have the actual Google app for your device installed. Uh, And the Google app is not a default app on the iPhone, I don't believe. I think you have Oh
0: no. Uh, No, it's not.
1: Okay. You have to go to the App Store and add it to the iPhone. But when you do have it installed, then it will patch your share sheet menu and give you that Google Lens. But then I started messing around with Google Lens. And if you go into Google even if you go to a web browser and go into the Google main window at google.com, they now have a little icon that looks like a uh, multicolored picture frame. And you can do it from any device that has access to Google now, and it has Google Lens. If you do it through a browser, what you have to do is upload a photo. But the cool, right. the cool thing about the, the app for portable devices, and I'm sure it works the same on Android, Is you can be anywhere doing anything. You can open up the Google app. You can snap a picture into the Google lens part of the Google app and it will immediately do a search. So if you see somebody with a cool backpack, you know, 20 feet away and you can't quite read the label, you know, you can zoom in, get a shot and Google will tell you what you're looking at. It's, it's just, it's a really good multi purpose image search that will get you the information you need a lot of times better than trying to do a text search
0: yeah right, right. And that's it, re- that's really cool and i was just playing that because i've used google lens but i don't have the google app on my phone um but what i do have is the google photos app oh okay the google photos app and when you're in google photos you have the ability to explore through Google lens, any photo that you have in your Google, Google Photos library, it doesn't patch the share pane, yeah. um, that allows you to get to it that way. Um, you have to get through it, uh, through, uh, through Google Photos, but, um, it, it's amazing. Yeah. You can, you can just tap it and it will give you instant near instant kind of contextual results based on what it's detecting in the photo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to uh, share. You have to share, or, or give Google the access to the photo. But then it does uses its AI uh, capabilities and finds photos and photos that are close to it and photos that are related to it. Because when I search for that honeycomb picture, the the one picture with the heart shaped honeycomb came on top. But then there was a whole bunch of other things. There were, um, it was like, um, brain coral underwater brain coral has Mm. almost looks like a honeycomb and it brought up pictures of of brain coral that kind of almost resembled that, that honeycomb picture. So it, it has a wide, uh, you know, capability of, of searching for image results, but I was, I was impressed with it. And
0: it's AI uh, at work, baby. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's the, the fact that Google. Has seen so many photos and created associations between those photos and actual data, contents of web pages, and so forth. That um, that is able to quote unquote look at a photo and be able to tell you what's in it or wh- more about the photo. It's amazingly good at identifying dog breeds. Wow! You know, I spent yes. a lot, just spent a lot of time at the, uh, the Mendocino Dog Park um, training one of our dogs. And so I take a lot of pictures of a lot of different breeds, and it is remarkably accurate um, in terms of being able to identify. Oh, that's with, so cool!
1: Because then you don't have to make a, a fool out of yourself and be that guy and say, "What kind of breed is that dog?" You know,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: Just stopping somebody. I still industry. end up doing that a lot. Well, a lot of people are flattered when you <laughs> do because it You can too. look even
0: more like that guy by. Taking a picture of the phone of the dog and then looking at your phone to try to figure out what, it breed, what breed it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to be subtle with it. Which is and, which is dorkier. <laughs> yeah, um, I've done. I mean, for years, I've done a lot of search in Google Images using a text query, you know, um, and that a lot of times will get you the results you want. You know, like if you're looking for a new compost tumbler. You can search by word and get, you know, link results, but you don't see what the, the results are. You just see the link you have to go to. So you can save yeah. a lot of time if you just use the uh, shortcut to get to Google. If you just go to Google Images and tap on the Images tab, you can put a um, uh, put a text search in. Or if you're in in uh, yeah. DuckDuckGo, you can use the, um, what is it, the Autobang or whatever, what do they call it? the You know, there's... Uh, I can't, there's a name for that now. You use the exclamation point as a trigger, and then if you put in "gi," DuckDuckGo knows you're looking for Google Images, and then you put your text string in, and it comes yeah, up. Yeah. But uh, that way, you just see a lot of uh, pictorial results, and a lot of times it's faster in looking for the thing you want because most of the time, what comes to the top are the paid placements.
0: <laughs> you know? Yes. So if
1: you're indeed. trying to buy something online, that'll that'll come up at the
0: top. Yeah. Yeah, because you know you brought up a really good point. Um, and the uh, uh, behind that really cool story, two really cool, uh, two really good points. One is the fact that when you see an image that races across the Internet like wildfire and has some amazing story attached to it, that story is not always the truth. Yes. <laughs> In fact, very often it is not. Um, it is a, It is the ultimate game of telephone. And once somebody writes a, a potentially more interesting story, then that's the story that gets associated with that with that photo. And then it, it takes off. Um, so it's yet just another illustration of don't believe everything you see. Um, but the other kind of technical um, moral of, the, of your story is that search engines and really what, is, what you're using Google Lens in, you're, you're using Google Search, but you're just using it through a different entry point, um, search engines are getting much, much smarter, and artificial intelligence is getting much, much smarter about images. Um, It's something that they call multimodal search, and it's not just text. Um, There are the AIs that people are talking about, and, and in some cases frightened of these days, are... Getting really good at actually describing what is an image, what is in an image. You can upload an image to chat GPT and it will tell you.
1: Oh, you know, it'll give picture, you, it'll give you a, a t- picture
0: of a German shepherd playing with a poodle. You
1: know? <laughs> oh, it'll give you a, a, a text it analysis. It'll give you a
0: text based. It'll give you a text description of yeah. what it's quote unquote seeing. Um, and again, that's just because it's seen so many hundreds of millions of images and ingested so many billions and billions of words that are associated with those images that it is able to kind of do a two-way street it can generate an image based on a text prompt that you type or it can take an image and describe it in text form which is kind of all kind of amazing
1: it is amazing and um i guess that brings us to ai again which is something we
0: well almost all roads lead to ai these days. all roads are leading to AI. in some ways good in some ways kind of wow okay all right I guess that's interesting and scary.
1: Yeah. um, I heard a good interview with um, a guy named Chris Inglis. Have you heard of Chris Inglis? Mm -mm, No, I have not. He recently served as the first U.S. national cyber director uh, in the Biden administration, advising on cybersecurity issues and helping to develop a national cyber strategy and before that he served as deputy director of the national security agency nsa so he's he's deep in the in the weeds with all this stuff um and during this interview he discussed what he felt were the risks of artificial intelligence and the top four were as he described them the quote black box problem when they come up with these algorithms like you were describing you know you, you send a picture of a german shepherd playing with a poodle and it comes back with a description how it derives that is inside of a black box
0: we don't know how we don't know how it we
1: works, don't know right? how it works we don't know how it works and the problem is if these things start to go rogue or like we you were saying uh, you know you want to find out the truth about a photo when there's a whole bunch of Uh, of questionable stories attached to it. How do we know that the top result to tell you what the photo really is, isn't one of the questionable stories and what's, you know, what, what parameters are making that, that uh, come out. The second one was the use of artificial intelligence and launching cyber attacks, you know, Mm. go find all the windows, uh, XP computers still running out there (laughs) and, and infect them with this, you know, you don't even have ransomware. To, with the ransomware. Yeah, right. Uh, another one was the um, the potential for an AI arms race among the U.S., China, and Russia, which is obviously going on now. But how far can that go? And you know, how long before the lights start going out on a regular basis, or the uh, you know, the oil pipelines start uh, locking up or whatever? And and then the last one he mentioned, uh, which to me has an immediate uh, consequence that we should all be aware of is the potential use of generative ai to spread misinformation ahead of the 2024 election yeah and a point he brought up uh in in the previous election he he said this and it really resonated with me and i want everybody to think about this because i think this is really important a lot of the chaos in the last election was because there was enough disbelief and doubt spread among sectors of the population about the legitimacy of the election that they didn't actually have to go in and hack voter rolls or cancel Mm -hmm. votes electronically or anything like that. If they can get people disgusted or depressed or, or angry to the point where they don't bother to vote, that's just the same as electronically, you know, hacking them off a voter list or something like that. And that, that stuff has a lot of consequence. And that's something that, um, I'm worried about, and I think we should all be th- thinking about that, and and uh, thinking about what things we might be able to do to um, to, to um, help keep that yeah. from being a problem.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, there is a lot of concern, valid concern, over um, where AI might take us. Um, just yesterday, a group of industry leaders warned that the uh, that artificial intelligence technology the very technology that they are building in a lot of cases, um, might one day pose an ex- existential existential threat to humanity and should be considered a societal risk on par of with pandemics and nuclear war. Um, I'm reading here from a New York Times article. Uh, the A one-sentence statement was released by the Center for AI Safety, a nonprofit organization, and the statement was in its entirety, quote, Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war, Um, unquote. And the letter was signed by more than 350 executives, researchers and engineers who are working in AI. That included uh, the chief executive of OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT and Dolly, Demis Hassabis, chief executive of Google DeepMind, and Dario Emote, chief executive of Anthropic. So um, it's kind of interesting on two fronts, I think. One is um, the fact that a lot of the people who are so deeply immersed in creating and advancing AI technology are warning us that it could kill us all. (laughs) Well, and that's yet kind of they
1: and yet they persist. I mean, the guy persist, the guy who's producing. the head of the guy who's the head of uh, Open AI. Um, I guess Sam uh, yeah. I guess he appeared before Congress saying, "Please regulate us." Regulate but us, then, please. Then this guy comment. The guy was I was quoting before commented on it and saying, "Well, that's nice. You're already there. What about people who are your competitors? People who are just starting out in their garage?" Are, are are you making it so that it's harder for them to compete with you? Is it are you making yeah. it so that you're you're going to be established as the default or something like that? And and now it's going to be harder for you know the barrier to entry will be because you want the the uh, technology to suddenly be regulated. I don't know. It's,
0: exactly, it's kind of like you know raise the drawbridge now. That yes. we're on the other Side of the moat. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, regulation is it's good luck with that in a in a in a world of multiple. Governments, all with very different, diverging interests. Um, any regulations that we'd create here would certainly not be put into uh, would be would not be enforced in China. And indeed, um, there are organizations in China that are developing um, AI chatbots that are very, very friendly to communist the government policy and non-critical of. Uh, you know ask it to write an essay about Tiananmen Square and you will not get the same essay that you know uh, an ai <laughs> created outside of china um yeah. so, so you know regulation is not the, the the genie's out of the bottle there are now open source versions of it and, and that's just it's it's just not going to happen um so you know that that part is interesting the other part i think that i found interesting was you know i mean we're living at a time when climate change is on the verge of making certain parts of the planet uninhabitable and where you know species extinction is happening at a scale not seen since you know the 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 meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs uh, happened it wouldn't it be interesting wouldn't it be great if a whole bunch of executives came out and said you know we need to we need to, we need to fight climate change we need to fix or um, address species extinction uh, we need to uh, adjust the wealth gap between the richest and the poorest which is a very big societal danger in its own right um, yeah I just found it interesting that you know that, that these people who are working on the very technology that they are warning us about are it's, it's a it's a little bit like focusing on the traffic jam that's on the other side of the railroad tracks when a freight train is coming barreling toward your stalled car oh (laughs) jeez
1: i don't know know. to me it's just as likely that the billionaires would all get in their rocking ships and go to mars
0: (laughs) and start they probably they've got a plan for that
1: i think they have a plan for that yeah i got to tell you one more little anecdote that came out of this interview now
0: i've got another good some some you know kind of interesting fun geek our listeners might want to play with a i noise too he, um, no news,
1: he, he said that uh, a while ago. This is the guy that was working in the in the Biden administration. He said a while ago he, there there was a presentation of an autonomous weapons study. You know these are these are weapons <laughs> that include artificial intelligence, and the whole thing was titled the autonomous weapons study. And they came to a break in the presentation, and one of the people there said, "Do you actually intend to build?" autonomous weapons and the guy kind of cheekily said yes some degree of autonomy will be in these weapons and the person that was questioning him said if by that you mean this thing can change sides in the middle of a fight then i don't think that's what you want And he says, no, that's not Um, what we want. Well, then you're not building autonomous weapons. You're building more capable weapons. And I thought that was great. You know, your autonomous car, you hop in your autonomous car and you say, take me to some place that says pizza. And the autonomous car says, well, I can tell from your heart rate and your blood pressure. You don't need a pizza. I'm taking you to the vegetarian restaurant. Right. (laughs) That would would be an autonomous car. (laughs) I like Uh, that. Yeah. Changing sides.
0: Well, on, the, on a less um, c- uh, civilization-threatening AI note, and by the way, we should let folks remind folks yes. that they're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo.
1: Helping to preserve civilization. Bob, Bob Lawton. <laughs> was that? Helping to preserve civilization, we hope.
0: <laughs> or doing a, Or destroying it in our own special way, in an organic human way.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, we're on every other week answering computer questions and bringing you computer and technology-related news, Um, and indeed, we're going to open up the phones uh, in our second half hour and take calls, questions, comments, but before that, um, there is something very cool in the generative AI imaging world that um, our listeners can play with completely on the house, completely free, and that is um, the Adobe Firefly tool, which... Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. It's one of those generative AI um, uh, tools that you access through a web browser. You don't have to download any special apps to use it. And uh, you can generate images by typing text prompts. Give me a picture of a beach scene at sunset with a lighthouse in it or an oil painting of, an, of a beach scene with a lighthouse in it or whatever you can imagine um, within reason because there are some guardrails that uh, – that, um, you can't create certain kind of content with. Anyway, Firefly has been out for a month or two in a kind of a wait list, private testing phase. Um, you had to apply to be uh, added to the list to get access to it. And um, you may or may not get, uh, may may, or may not get in. Well, Firefly is now completely open in its test. It's still in its test phase, but it's open to everybody. There's no wait There's no wait list. You can go to firefly.adobe.com. There's no www there. It's just firefly.adobe.com. And you can sign up. You have to have an Adobe account. You can get a, that is free. You don't have to pay any monthly fees or anything like that for a free Adobe account. And you can play with Firefly. And they've added an an amazing new feature just uh, last week called um, Generative Fill, which lets you supply an image and then but then draw over part of it and have firefly generate something completely different in in its place and a lot of people are having a lot of fun taking album covers and expanding them to create wider views of the scene that never actually was photographed
1: really Um, record lp lp uh, vinyl lp record covers the
0: yeah there's an abbey road a great example of abbey road where someone has taken it and expanded it and you see the The Beatles uh,
1: right there in the crosswalk huh
0: with the with the with the fab four right in the center and uh and it's it's really fascinating to play with um it's Going to transform. They've added the, also another piece of news for people who do have um, the Adobe um, Creative Cloud subscription. Um, there's a new beta pre-release version of Photoshop that has Firefly built into it. Wow. So you can select something and have it replace. Um, you can say, you know, add a car there, or get rid of this telephone pole and put, you know, rip uh, duplicate the scenery that was behind it. Um, I've been playing with it f- with old photos with restoring old photos that have torn pieces or missing pieces where that used to just be so hard where you oh, know, if there's yeah. a missing eye, well that eye from this photo over here looks a little bit like that. I would be, so I'll copy that and move that over there. Now you can just select it and type I and, and the AI just analyzes the image and puts one in. Um, it's really pretty amazing. Um, So if listeners are interested in this whole generative AI imaging um, uh, revolution, it's nothing short of that. Um, Give Firefly, take it for a a test drive. It is completely on the house. Go to, uh, no, sorry, go to firefly.adobe.com, firefly.adobe.com and sign up. Um, There's a, you can get a free Adobe account while you're there. And then just take it out for a uh, for test drive. I think you will be blown away.
1: Can you do something like put an image into Firefly on the on the web browser on the web interface, and then tell it to like turn it into an ink sketch or something like that? Will it do those? Oh yeah. Of, oh, oh wow. Completely. That, yeah. is, that is just really awesome. Different
0: different styles, you know, pastel, oil painting, cartoon, you know.
1: But you can submit your own originals.
0: Yeah, you can you can upload images. And the, and modify them using, you know, the text prompts. And there are there are different presets, style presets that you can choose. Uh, and you know, you can replace the sky. That photo has kind of a bland sky, so I'm going to replace the sky in it. And it automatically it uses AI to be able to tell what the sky is, and it uh, and it and it does a, a kind of a scary good job.
1: Oh yeah, that's just and you all you have to do is sign up. For- for an adobe account to have access to it mm-hmm. and if you yeah. follow our advice you can use a hide my email or generate a <laughs> dis- disposable email for your free adobe account and not be pestered for the rest of your life
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right
1: by uh, by newsletters and stuff like that that's great now how does the firefly compare to the other ones that you've mentioned in previous shows the um Oh I can't what was the DALL-E right There's
0: DALL-E is that's from OpenAI the OpenAI the ChatGPT folks um, there's a very popular one called Mid Journey, um which is in some ways hmm, in some ways has the quality image quality advantage right now um, they're all kind of, you know, leapfrogging one another and, you know, each new version, the, re- the results get better and better. Um, AIs, these tools have often had real problems generating hands. Uh, they don't really understand that hands have, you know, four fingers and a thumb. Mm. It's not uncommon to get something with seven fingers or, you know, or or five fingers but no thumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Like that. Yeah. They're getting better and better at things like that. And then there's a, uh, another big major player and that's called stable diffusion. Firefly, the, the thing that's maybe the most interesting about Firefly is that it has been, quote-unquote, ethically trained. Uh-huh. The other image tools, all of the ones that I mentioned, were trained, were trained on this database of billions of images that were scraped off of the internet, many of which are obviously copyrighted work that were used without the photographers or artists or painters or illustrators permission. And that's one of the big controversies surrounding this stuff is, hey, you're creating images based on the work that human beings paid and are created, and they're not getting paid for it. And that is a valid criticism. Firefly, on the other hand, because it's from Adobe and Adobe's main audience is artists and creative uh, uh, types, trained Firefly only using licensed images that Adobe had the rights to be able to use for training purposes. Um, one of Adobe's big side businesses, if you can call it that, is selling stock images where you can go, you know, you're a designer and you need a picture of a you know happy person about to eat a salad for a restaurant ad. You can go to Adobe Stock, they call it, is the website, and do a search for smiling person eating salad and get 14 different examples and download the one you want, pay for it, and then use it in your ad. Well, Adobe has the rights to millions and millions of these stock images, and they used them to be able to train um, Firefly. So it is a, a more ethical um model for training
1: are they gonna and, are they gonna actually uh pay pay uh, micro cents to the uh yes. Im- image creators who whose uh pixels get get sucked into uh the firefly results
0: i believe that they i believe that they did well it's that doesn't they don't work that way you don't you know you're not going to get like the salad that was in stock image number 407 okay um they're, they're, these tools are more complex than just, oh, I need a, a salad. There's one. I'll stick that in the image. Um, There's a smiling person. I'll grab that one from this stock image and use that. Um, the way that they work under the hood is, is a lot more complex than that. But to answer your question, yes, they do get um, the creators of, the, of those stock images are getting something. And it probably is Microsense. Yeah. at the end of the day um but they're getting something right and
1: and it's i mean it's good to have an example that's that's ethical like that
0: yeah but
1: um don't quit your day job if you expect to make a living off your pixels being incorporated to ai it's like the streaming royalties for for music services you know
0: yeah very much very much so and there are a lot of other differences between the tools you know firefly has a lot more um it has a lot more Photoshop-ish type features, which you would expect um, from Adobe, the creators of Photoshop. A lot more image fine-tuning. Um, so uh, they're, they're kind of all worth playing with. Each one has uh, you know, a free version that you can do some experimenting with. Um, midjourney. One of the other big differences is that a couple of them have—I I, mentioned—they have guardrails around what kind of content you can create. Sure. Firefly and Dolly don't let you create images of any celebrities or politicians who are in the public eye. Yeah. Um, Midjourney and Stable Diffusion are really kind of the wild west. When you see the weird pictures of you know, uh, there were some that were going around a month or two ago of uh, you know. What looked like photographs of Donald Trump running from the police in New York City, uh, right before his <laughs> indictment, uh, those were created in mid-journey because again, there's no, there are no very few guardrails there. There are guardrails about um, you know uh, the kinds of content that we could not talk about on a family-oriented radio program like this one. <laughs> there's none of the tools will let you create that sort of thing. Yeah, um, but um, in terms of like public persona, um, celebrities, that sort of thing. Um, Mid-Journey and Stable Diffusion are much more uh, anything goes.
1: Now, you said Mid-Journey has higher picture quality. Um, do they just have a better source for high-resolution images? Or are they just spending more uh, of their um, of their operating budget on, on uh, bandwidth to produce uh, a higher pixel count in their results? That's a good
0: question. Or it could be just better algorithms that are putting the images together based on the prompts that people type.
1: That's true. Yeah. It it could be the algorithmic.
0: If you want to call, uh, we had a couple people calling.
1: We haven't been able to answer the phones yet, but here we are. This is Point and Click Radio with Bob and Jim, and it is a public affairs show on KZYX, and you can call in with your computer comments or questions if you have comments about AI or uh image searching or how your internet is working what you can do to get uh, better results with your internet connection in mendocino county and surrounding areas just give us a call 707-895-2448 is the phone number we'll be here until eight o'clock at eight o'clock jamie roberts will be in with radiogram two hours of jazz spoken arts radio drama and more much much more sometimes Mm -hmm. jamie covers uh Topics of of tech, technical relevance in addition yeah. to us, so it's almost like a twofer when we're on the same the same evening. Big time eight nine five two four four eight. Give us a call if you have a question. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. No, you go ahead.
0: Um, it's yes, it's next week, and this is when the world is expecting Apple to introduce its virtual reality headset. Um, the Reality Pro, I think they're calling it. Um, It sounds like it's going to be expensive. It sounds like it's going to be technically amazing, but also a little bit clunky uh, with a separate battery pack that you'll have to wear on your belt or put in your back pocket in order to make the visor um, itself lighter. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, is this really something that Apple should be doing? You know, there was a whole big... The virtual reality is the future. Virtual reality has been going to be the future for years now. Yes, <laughs> and it that it felt like we were a little bit closer than ever uh, the last few years when you know uh, Oculus came out with the Rift and uh, and um, oh I forget what the other one is their uh, their headsets that uh, Facebook ended up buying for billions of dollars. And then Facebook changed its name to Meta, and Zuckerberg said, oh, this is going to be the future, and it turns out, well, maybe not so much. And Meta is now saying, yeah, well, maybe maybe not so much, and they've lost billions of dollars and laid off thousands of people. Um, and in, in the wake of that whole kind of bubble bursting, a lot of people have said, like, is, should Apple really be bothering with something that, you know, people don't really – seem to want all that much of and um it's going to be really interesting to see what they come out with uh i, I it, it seems like whatever they do come out with is going to be a um kind of a you know this is a this is a first stake in the ground something for developers to play with something that you know people talk it'll be it'll be what apple used to call the apple tv is more of a hobby for us as a company um
1: Yeah. And the Apple watch, the Apple watch was kind of like that in its first iteration, too. A lot of people poked fun at it. Who needs an Apple watch? But after, um, I don't know how long the watch has been out now. When did it come out 2016 or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. Right around then. I mean, the first generation of the Apple watch didn't even have apps on it. And, um, it, it, It would, it could hardly tell any more than, uh, the time without being in a real time connection to your iPhone. And I guess any functionality was being sent over Bluetooth to the iPhone and it was really clunky and slow, but they've, they've managed to bring that up to speed and a lot of people just swear by the Apple, their Apple Watches and, and in some cases use them in place of phones, you know, and stuff. And, and you know, for checking the temperature and, and all the bu- built-in um, fitness and health features have, have really blossomed. The health features, yeah, yeah, have become huge. So um, I, I heard some uh, of the... Um, um, people that uh, do reporting for Macworld speculating that Tim Cook might be pushing this. There's rumors that Tim Cook has really been pushing this and they thought it's possible that uh, Tim Cook might be doing this to cement his legacy of having a product that's the Tim from the Tim Cook era of Apple, you know, and it makes sense to me. But apparently, they're going to it isn't just it isn't just virtual reality it's uh i think we mentioned this a couple shows ago there's vr ar and mr i guess right. you know? there's uh what is ar augmented
0: augmented reality yeah. that's where you see the real world but maybe you see the you see your dining room table but there's a little dinosaur crawling across it yeah
1: <laughs> kind of like Roger rabbit you know <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: yeah kind of yeah
1: the roger okay. rabbit mode and then the mixed reality i guess would be you know you could maybe uh see your friends in real life with uh you know the background from star wars or, or alien movie or something like that you know right. you're mixing realities uh in a in a different way i don't know i i feel kind of positive about it because i think it would um uh have a lot of options for people to use besides just having to look at their wrist or pull something out of their pocket. You know, you may be in an environment where uh I, I could see a perfect use case for it if you were in a museum, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and uh wanted to augment what you were looking at on the wall with, you know, a whole program that would give you uh audio uh information and uh maybe circles and arrows on the painting to to point out stuff you might be interested in that you wouldn't notice if you were just looking at it or if it had a little guidebook in your hand, you know. That Completely. type of thing would would uh make it a valuable device. But Apple apparently is pulling out all stops to come out with this first generation. It's supposed to be really, really expensive the question is are they really going to debut it next monday at the right. wwdc keynote we don't know there's a lot of rumors i kind of think they will that's my guess
0: it's, it's feeling like yeah very much like it's it is i mean every rumor seems to have a little bit more information of oh this is the kind of display it's going to have and this is the you know these are the uh the the, the, the what the battery pack on your belt is going to look like and so it, it's it would be i think at this point it would be surprising if they didn't and you know listen i mean Apple has had how many times has Apple introduced a new product that people have said, "What? You know, who's going to want this $300 thing that fits in your pocket and holds a thousand songs? Um, or you know, who's going to need a who's going to want this tablet thing that is this big flat screen thing you carry around? Um, and in each of those, or, the, or a smartphone." Each of those cases, or a computer with a graphical user interface, for that matter. If you want to go back to nineteen eighty-four,
1: oh, yes, files um, and folders—what a
0: joke! Yeah, I don't need that. I can just type my com- type my commands. So, um, it would be foolish to just dismiss something new and completely groundbreaking. Um, at the same time, um, healthy skeptic- skepticism is always healthy, and uh, and we, we will we will report on it with both of those things uh in in our next uh in our in our next show
1: yeah that'll be a week after the wwdc Um,
0: a lot of times
1: the uh, apple watchers come up with clues in the uh poster images that apple puts up for these things and uh the image it looks like a rainbow but it also kind of looks like a fresnel lens fresnel is f-r-e-s-n-e-l named after the inventor and these are are uh, powerful lenses that are flattened so instead of being lens shaped they're flat they use them a lot in lighthouses and and uh, right. those kinds of things and they take up less depth than a, a regular lens you've probably seen them people used to put them in the back of their vans you know those plastic lenses that would go in the back right. window right. it's a bunch of transparent circles well it it takes a lens and it segments it into circular segments and, and segments and then collapses it into a flat surface. And that's what this poster looks like. It looks like a, a Fresnel lens reflecting uh, multicolored uh, like a rainbow. And um, that to me, because that's the kind of lens they would probably have to use in a device like this, you know, to yeah. to get the um, the uh, video screens in the goggles. Well you have you have a headset. Does it have a Fresnel lens in where you Fresnel I lens think
0: there? it does. I think it, it I think it does have those little concentric circles uh, yeah. in them.
1: Yeah. So that would be a clue that they're going to do something optical in the WWDC totally. more, more than any of the, the, the rumors that seem to be flying around. Yeah. Um, there's other rumors too, that they're going to, uh, completely revamp the, uh, the operating system for the Apple watch, which a lot of people are getting tired of, especially if you like to have apps on the watch, uh, and you're tired of searching through that little little honeycomb uh, arrangement of the of the <laughs> right. icons. Um, it, it's almost like it's due for a, a, a revision to make the um, watch more configurable to the kind of things you want to see and get to things quickly. I mean, I, I I have to switch between three different watch faces to to get quick access to the things <laughs> I like to use. You know, so yeah, it, it takes a bit. So they may be revamping that. And we'll
0: probably get a new uh, look at the next uh, operating system for the iPhone and iPad, and and for the uh, desktop Macs and laptop Macs. Yeah. Um. There's talk of maybe some new Macs themselves, and maybe some new laptops. Um. So you know, the Worldwide Developers Conference always brings a bunch of interesting new uh, announcements, and um. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll be reporting on them in the show.
1: Oh, there's also speculation that. Um Part of the presentation might be live. They're going to have a small audience, and they probably will do all of the product uh, unveilings and the uh, operating system demonstrations with video. But there's a chance that Tim could be out there. Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, could be out there actually tossing the uh, <laughs> tossing the the, the, the uh, reality. Uh, headset up and down in his hand as he walks across the stage, you know, to introduce it before they launch into the video, which would be interesting because they haven't done that since, since COVID.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah. Those video presentations are pretty well done. Hey, Jim, we have a call. Let's go to the phone. Okay. Hi, caller. You're on the air.
2: Yeah. Hey, thanks so much. Hey, I'm looking for a a really good uh, backup solution for, uh, you know, my Mac, my PC. I'm curious if you guys have any, um, network attached storage or NAS recommendations.
1: Boy, I don't don't know about NAS. Um, a NAS might be a little bit of an old, uh, old school solution at this point. I know there's different, different types of, of devices, but I don't think a NAS, which, uh, is an acronym for a network attached storage. Um, so you
0: have a network of computers that you want to all be backing up to a central place.
2: Yeah, you know, there, I, um, there's a few computers in my house, and yeah, it would be nice to have them backed up to a central place. But my understanding is that some of these NAS uh, systems now, um, they'll back up to like a RAID system in the NAS, but they'll also sync to cloud storage. So you have an automatic, uh, redundant you know, array of independent disks, and you have a cloud backup storage without... Uh, really having to do anything because um, the NAS just takes care of synchronizing with the cloud
0: That's a great solution. Yeah, I'm not I'm not up to speed on those at all I, I am uh, I, I do local backups and then cloud backup for you know for for one machine uh, my primary machine um, So I'm not really interested in I don't have the use case where I need to store um, uh, You know uh, be backing up a, a network of uh, of computers
1: yeah, it sounds like that's a pretty be a pretty heavy duty um uh solution unless you're doing like uh, massive video editing or or you know um multi-track recording or something like that it it doesn't even seem like that would be you know um it would be overkill for a household setup like that. You could get you could get something like a uh, um a Mac Mini, the latest Mac Mini, uh, attached some external drives to it and probably set it up as a shared drive on the network and set up your – you could definitely set up your Apple devices to uh, do time machine backups to do that. You could do that. You can use an, a network-attached um, or a network-shared device like a Mac Mini to uh, backup over time machine for Mac devices. Yeah. And I, yeah,
2: I'm doing Time Machine right now, and it works. It works great. My only concern is, if a fire comes, then you know I've got the local backup. But if the local backup is in the house, um, that doesn't yeah. really help me much. But I guess yeah, I could do um, like uh, yeah, some kind of kind of cloud storage coming off of that notebook too.
0: Right, because that's I, what I use. I use uh, iDrive um, as a as for cloud backup. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we whenever we talk about backup, we say. Go local and go cloud because local can be taken out of commission with a fire, with a burst pipe upstairs, or what have you.
1: Yeah, yeah. and and going on automa- yeah. going automatic is a good thing too because, uh, like Time Machine, if you let it run uh, and have the disk present on the network or or you know uh, attached to your your device in particular, like a you know like a flash drive or something like that, Time Machine will back up. Uh, on a, you know, like every other minute or every other hour or whatever you configure it to do, uh, and so you're getting a, a incremental backup uh, for the the stuff you're working on. But um, the stuff you're...
2: Synology dis- has one of these NAS systems that looks really slick. You can even it'll do like a Dropbox thing um, via just the Synology, so you can you can give people a link to your nas and they can actually um you can set permissions and they can uh, use it like your own personal dropbox and everything it looks oh
1: beautiful. i see you could you could uh, put out an address or a link to for people to access files that you share with them yeah
2: yeah, yeah. and it can do all of these other things there's all these other plugins you can uh, stream music uh from your synology over the cloud to your phone wherever you are yeah it's just there's all these extra features built into it
1: yeah there's there's a lot of stuff I mean there's I can't remember the name of a program but there is one that will will basically do the same thing you know it's a standalone piece of software that will essentially do the same thing you're describing with that kind of sharing it just depends on on how convenient you want it to be and um, you know if you just want to buy a device that has it all rolled into one that that might be the solution
0: and the risk sure, there, sure, though, yeah. I would yeah. just point out that the risk there is that um, those companies can go away. <laughs> there was a company yeah. that made a really popular um, RAID system called Drobo, Yes, D-R-O-B-O, where you'd buy yeah, this uh, of kind of, um, chassis and then you could snap drives in and out of it. And um, they were really, really popular among photographers and video producers, people who work with lots and lots of gigantic files all the time. Um, And then um, internet speeds got faster and cloud backup got much more, popular and um drobo just within the last several months or so uh they had they filed for bankruptcy a year or so ago and they said yeah we're not going to be doing any soft- software updates we'll still support it for another year and then just uh, just within the last couple of months they said yep nope we're done we're gone and they closed their doors forever so people who bought those devices are kind of out of luck um with them so um those kinds of you know one solution fits all and does all solutions can sound appealing, but they may not have the best staying power. And there may be an advantage to kind of putting together your own system with, you know, backup drives from company a and cloud storage from company B so that, uh, if a or B, um, Goes away, <laughs> you still have uh, you still have one of those two letters left, and you can use um, you can do some research and you know replace it with uh, with with whatever the current working technology is. Yeah, so um, yeah,
1: that's a really good point.
2: I think there's actually a uh, open NAS, which is uh, uh, you know uses some of the sh- uh, open uh, source code.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it yeah. sounds like a, a Mac Mini might possibly fill that niche and you know it's if it's all done in, in software that you can figure then you know like like jim was saying they won't uh yeah drobo is probably following drobo is probably sitting on the couch along next to a stack of floppy disks and zip disks and they're watching star trek reruns you know <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> they've gone the way of the floppy disk and the zip disk <laughs> The technology marches on. Yeah, I think Jim's Listen, point. As you is right as
0: there. you do your research, caller, please, you know, um, give us a call back. Let us know what you've settled on, you know, what you've what you've learned. Um, it's a really interesting uh, it's probably a relative minority of our listeners who are looking to back up a whole network of, of computers in their home or even in their office. But um, but I'm sure they're out there. So it'd be nice to be able to have information on that.
2: Yeah, well, thank you
0: so much,
1: guys. we Will do. Okay. Thanks for the call. call. All right. Ciao. 895-2448. That's the studio line here to talk to Jim and Bob uh, on & Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX and Z. A big thanks to everybody that uh, supported us during the recent pledge drive. We didn't quite make our goal, but um, there was a lot of good response, and it's going to help the station stay uh, live and vital here in the community and uh, you can still donate anytime you want over kzyx.org there's a donate button on the site just go ahead and give a click and make a donation or you can sign up for the to become a sustaining member and make a monthly donation to keep keep kzyx and z on the air again thanks to everybody that pledged during our spring pledge drive indeed Wow, we're almost done. We've got time for one more phone call if, if anybody wants to call in and give us a, a shout. Um, I think um, there's one other thing I wanted to – no, I, I thought I had a tip. I thought <laughs> I had a, a slick tip, one of Bob's slick tips, but I don't have one for this week. But um, I, I'll just go back and, and – um, reiterate the whole thing about the google lens and searching for things using photos um, i did try out the, the the lens feature built into the google app i took a picture of a travel mug i had and um, it just immediately identified the, the the make the color the model and where i could buy it you know so it's just it's it's an amazingly responsive way to get information especially if, if it's something you're looking to acquire online or want to get more information about and stuff like that yeah we do have one more call, Jim. Let's go back to the phones.
0: Can we be a quick one.
1: Hi, caller. You're on the air.
2: Hi, Bob and Jim. It's Johanna. I know I only have a minute or so left, but um, so I'm I'm going to not ask my technical question and just remind people that. Tomorrow morning on Wild Oak Living, a really important program about wildfire safety. Yes. For people who missed that, who for people who missed the talk by Jana Valakovic, uh, the um, the fire scientist who was in Ukiah recently, she's going to be live on my program tomorrow. People will be able to call in and ask questions. And Scott Craddy from the Fire Safe Council is also going to be with me to continue the conversation he started on Karen Audubon's show last week. So a really really important program if you want to learn all about the science of wildfires and how to keep safe tomorrow oh, morning nine
0: o'clock wild living all right that is an important one thank you so much for that thank you thanks johanna bye-bye
1: right. that's good i i, I want to tune in we need to find out about the um uh, what's coming what's sure. coming in the in the terms of uh, the wildfire season tomorrow at 9 a.m wild Luke living with johanna
0: in the meantime,
1: in the meantime, hey, on, Bob? Okay, Jim. Happy we'll computing. See you again in two
0: weeks, everybody, with uh, reports on uh, the Reality Pro or whatever Unreal Reality Apple has introduced at the Worldwide Developer Conference. Uh, the latest threats to our very existence, to our artificial intelligence, and um, any other cool tips that come our way.
1: Hey, when they come out with that Reality Pro, I want them to have a feature called Distortion Field. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a, a, be a tribute day to day. Steve Jobs, the reality distortion field.
0: That's kind of perfect. <laughs> I'll see you, Jim. Good night.
2: This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.